our new bestie has changed how we track our investments. Why have over 400,000 investors chosen ShareSite? It's simple. This online investment dashboard for your investment portfolio supports over 500,000 stocks, ETFs, and funds, plus integrated with more than 200 platforms, ensures your entire investment portfolio is organized and accessible in one place. Move beyond the limited insights from brokerage statements. ShareSite offers a comprehensive view of your financial performance, including analyzed reports, dividend gains, and the impact of currency fluctuations, all through intuitive graphs and visualizations. But here's the best part. For the investee besties out there, ShareSite is offering a special deal. Save four months when you purchase an annual premium plan. It's time to dive deep into performance metrics, streamline tax reporting, and share your portfolio with ease. Join the link in the episode description to sign up to ShareSite now and transform your investment experience. Hello and welcome to Girls That Invest, the platform that empowers millennials through financial literacy. You're joined today by your hosts, Sim and Sonia, two millennial investors who are extremely passionate about all things investing and personal finance. In today's episode, so exciting, we have our very first guest online. So do you want to introduce yourself, Sarah? Yeah. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me, guys. My name is Sarah. So I host another podcast called The One Up Project which is along similar lines as this one, kind of general financial literacy. We also talk a bit about personal development and career and everything like that. So my sort of tagline is for everything you were never taught but should have been. It's a lot of topics to cover, but that's sort of what we've been going over and um, that's what I do with my spare time. So thanks for having me, guys. It is honestly our pleasure. Can I just say, like, the One Up Project is honestly one of my favorite podcast like when I got into the podcast space as a listener it's just so relatable and I I love it you you just make it so fun and so easy thank you that is so kind like I really appreciate that especially coming from you because you guys like one of my favorite podcasts so it means heaps this entire episode is just going to be a fangirling session isn't it (laughs) Yeah. yeah all right awesome so Sarah, today we kind of wanted to bring you on to talk a little bit about your investing profile, what it was like getting started, and I guess just your investing journey. We were going to call it the Millennial Investing Portfolio Series, but you're probably a Gen Z, right? I am Gen Z, yeah. I always forget. I forget that me and Sonia are on the cusp, so we'll have to change the title. I feel like I'm that awkward in-between group that's just, I can relate to millennials, but I can also relate to Gen Z and I just don't know if I'm in the skinny jeans or the... What are you? I'm honestly both. That's what I just said. All this nonsense about side parts and middle parts. Like, I mean, what what if you wake up one day and you just want a middle part instead of a side part? Like, why do we need to segregate ourselves further in society, you know? So agree. So agree. We've got Miss Switzerland over here, just like no sides. I'm very skinny jeans person, I have to say. All right. So to start things off, let's just start from the very beginning. What was your first interaction with the idea of investing and how did that go for you? Uh, so my first memory of 
investing was me asking my family if I could have shares for Christmas. And I don't even know where I got the idea of investing from. I think my uncle, he always owned his own successful business and he would pass me like editions of The Economist magazine and would say, read this and you'll become an investor. And I sort of thought, um, okay. And then I, I remember just really wanting to get into it. That is the most <laughs> random story and so not like me. But anyway, and then I was just thinking, okay, I really want shares because it seems like a good idea. seems like it'll be fun. And then just drop that idea until five years later when I'd left high school, left uni and realized that investing was probably a smart, responsible thing to do. And that came from the podcast, really, just starting the podcast and realizing that that was something you could do to grow a passive income and to grow wealth long term. So, yeah, that's probably my first experience with it. I love that. And it's so wild to me. I'll just ask a follow-up question to that. Did you find when you heard about investing, did you feel like it was something for you? Like when your uncle brought it up, were you like, oh, yeah, like this is something I'll do later in life? Or did it just feel like, why is he showing me this? I think I always was naturally interested in things like business and investing. And and at that time, I didn't really understand that the, the stigma, I suppose, around it being hard to get into. I just thought it was something that everyone sort of did at that point. And then it probably was after that when I became a little bit more educated that I thought, oh, this is actually something you need to get into the bank for. And there's all these barriers to entry. But I think it was something I, I always wanted to do and knew I would do eventually. Is there anything when you started investing and started, I guess, taking it seriously, is there anything that surprised you? When I first started investing? Yeah, I think the main surprise was honestly just how easy it was. It, I guess before you start investing, you think there's all these barriers to entry. Like I didn't even realize there were platforms that you could invest through. I thought you had to do it through a bank or have an investment broker and it was a really difficult process, but it's actually extremely easy now. And I think I was just really surprised that I was able to, within minutes, you know, transfer money into my account and then invest in whatever I wanted. So that was a massive surprise for me. But I think it's kind of sad because that's a surprise for a lot of people, but it should just be widely known and educated about that. You know, it's not that hard to get into. Can I just say that is such a wise choice? Like that's not a oh, everyone's making money in this, let me just jump in right now. That was a very long-term strategy that you've taken up to be like, oh, you know, this new pandemic has just started. We, at that time, we didn't know what was going to happen, right? Because this would have been earlier last year. Yeah, I only started investing last year. So I, I didn't start until after I began the podcast and started learning about all of this. Because I guess like my thing is that I'm learning with everyone and I'm definitely not the most financially literate. My first investment was into Air New Zealand, put $10 in there and the massive dip when the pandemic was starting and no one could fly anywhere. I don't know what sort of made me think that that was a good decision if I thought buying in the dip meant it would eventually go up in value later. But yeah, that was my first investment. I love that. I like how you're, you said before that you're learning with people and because there's bravery and like starting a podcast and being on a public platform while you're learning yourself. I feel like everyone thinks that you need to have everything sussed before you can start talking about it, which is not the case at all. So I really commend you on that. 
Yeah, I think, I guess it helped having the podcast because I had already educated myself. So it wasn't as if I was just saying, oh, investing is a good thing to do. I should get into it and then taking a punt on whatever I thought would be a good thing to do. It was more, I probably was coming at it with more education, which is, yeah, positive. (laughs) So when you said that you, you know, didn't just jump into investing and you you know, did a bit of research and kind of got your head wrapped around it. Where did you go? Like, was there any particular books that you really liked or particular, you know, YouTube channels that you looked into? Yeah, I think for me, I was lucky enough to, on the podcast, I'm really plugging myself here, eh? but this is actually the truth. So on the podcast, on my first episodes around investing were, I had one with Sharesies, one with InvestNow and one with Hatch. So those are three sort of the main investing platforms, at least we have here in New Zealand. And I was able to get three different perspectives. And that was really valuable for me to then decide, I guess, what seemed like a responsible or, yeah, responsible investment or an investment that aligned with my values. I also looked at other resources I could find, like Sorted or, or Money Hub. And I think you don't have to get so deep into it that you're becoming a trader kind of vibe like you really don't have to do that I think that's another misconception if you read a few blogs and articles and other listen to podcasts you'll notice that when it comes to long-term responsible investing the same themes and kind of rules or unwritten rules get brought up each time you know like time in the market not time in the market etc cliches like that get brought up often and then you start to learn from that that's so true honestly you could not have put a, any better mens on you. I feel like we sometimes feel like we're broken records just repeating ourselves because, yeah, when it comes to long-term investing, there's only so many things you need to know to at least get started. And you can definitely overanalyze things and almost put yourself off. Yeah. It's when I started relating to yeah, those 100%. finance bro TikToks that I was like, let me just take a step back. Sam, we need to take a break. Like, I can't. Let's just have an intervention. Yeah, I can't be one of those girls. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm totally, like, we're totally those girls. <laughs> so, I guess now the nitty-gritty, the part that we really love to hear about, and hopefully a lot of people listening at home will get a lot from this. Do you mind sort of sharing what your current investing portfolio looks like? You know, what companies have you invested in? How much in each company have you got? And what your sort of plans are with it? Yeah, totally. This is really exciting because I feel that often people don't go over this. And so when they do, it's like you're hearing the tea that you never get to hear. So <laughs> for me, my portfolio, so at the moment, I'm actually in an interesting time because I'm completely redoing, well, a lot of what I've invested in. So Last year, just getting into it, building up my portfolio, I was learning things. And now a year later, some of my values have changed. I learned a bit more about different types of funds and things. And so I'm actually in the process of understanding and figuring out which investments I'm going to sell, if any, and and how I'm going to change that around. So at the moment, my portfolio is looking at 90% in funds, um, managed funds, ETFs, etc. And then... 10% in companies, a very low amount in companies. And I think I love the idea of investing in individual companies, but I also am lazy and I don't want to have to check or feel like I need to be looking at different individual stocks often. And with index funds or ETFs or managed funds, 
I feel a lot more calmer to just leave those and let them sit there without having to check them sort of thing. But the individual companies I have invested in are sort of more of a long-term focus with that. And I've probably got my goal this year is to get 10,000 in the share market overall. At the moment, I've got about eight and a half in there. And that's mostly spread across those funds. So I've got things in the Vanguard S&P 500 fund and the smart in an AMP kind of global responsible fund. I've also got some money in the smart shares NZ top 10, top 50 and the US 500 fund as well. So I'm kind of spread across a few different ones. I'm yet to, so I'm only investing in the NZ in the US stock market at the moment, but I'm wanting to look into the Australian one as well. Yeah, so that's sort of where the bulk of my money sits at the moment. But like I said, trying to do an overhaul and I guess apply my different learnings to my portfolio and change it up. That's amazing. And so with what you're investing in, so I'd imagine that it's not all just under one investing broker. Is it split between two, like invest now and, and Hatch or Sharesies? Yep. So I invest with both Sharesies and Hatch currently. So those two are the main ones that yeah I invest with. So I started with Hatch before Sharesies had the US funds okay. and the Australian stock market as well. And so I've just continued that on. And yeah, quite I really like both platforms actually. And it's it's nice to be across both of those in terms of fees and that kind of thing because both of their fee structures are quite different yeah, as well. That's very true. And do you find it hard to manage having them spread between two different accounts or is it not something that bothers you? Or do you have a third place where you kind of visually see what everything is doing? Mm. It's a good question because honestly, no, it doesn't It doesn't bother me at all. I don't find it too much of an admin task to be checking both, especially because there's such easy platforms to work. So yeah, for me, it's not it's not an issue, but I can imagine that some people would probably like to have everything just in the one place for ease. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of your individual companies, I'm very interested to hear, if you don't mind sharing what you invest in in that 10%. Yeah, of course. So obviously in New Zealand, and then I've built that up a little bit now, and then Tesla. So I've actually got a decent amount of both of those, so just two at the moment. Yeah, and Tesla, I have the most amount of money in Tesla. I think I've got, it's worth about 600 USD now. So yeah, I, I that those are just the two at the moment. And I had sort of played around with some other ones in the past and sold them, but very small, insignificant amounts. But I'm definitely keen to get into some more individual shares soon. That's amazing. And when it comes to the, you know, individual companies that you have, do you give yourself, you know, like a little bit of play money, so to speak, or do you have a portion of your fund that's a little bit more speculative or do you like to sort of stick to the long-term investing? Yeah. At the moment, I don't just because I am trying to, I guess, add some strategy to what I'm going to do going forward with my portfolio. But that is definitely something I've done in the past and definitely something I will do going forward. Because for me, investing in in the share market is a fun thing to do. Like I don't just do it because I want to grow a passive income and grow long-term wealth. I actually really enjoy it. And I enjoy looking at 
the different individual shares that you can or companies that you can invest into and how they change and why they change and how fickle some of them can be. Um, I find it really interesting and, and fun. So it's something that I will 100% be allocating in the future once I've gone into my situation. Um, but that is interesting that you say like it is a fun thing that you do. With that being said, do you manually like put in every month or every fortnight or have you set up any automated payments? Yeah, so I invest $200 a month into my investments at the moment. So it's $50 a week and I do have an auto invest set up into a, it's like a big, it's into sharesies and into an order, a responsible order, which basically is a great name for very conservative funds. But you can actually on sharesies create your own order, which is what I'm going to end up doing and just put the funds that I want to invest into on there. But they also have kind of pre-decided or pre-made orders for you to auto invest in. And when I first started, that's what I decided to do. And that's just what I've been doing over the past year. That's such a good way to start that option that they give, like just to kind of hold your hand through the beginning because a lot of us need it. What do you think your biggest investing mistake or lesson has been so far? Yeah, not get into crypto earlier. (laughs) Probably just not starting earlier, which is funny because I started when I was 21. So it's kind of, I was already starting earlier than most, most likely. But I think time is your biggest asset. And if you can, the earlier you can start, the better. And also just the difference between the fees and passive and active managed funds. I think that those little things like that, especially when it comes to fees, you don't often look at. And that's been something I've noticed a lot when going through our portfolio now is a lot of the fees differ quite dramatically and I didn't even realize. And then some of those funds with the highest fees are the ones I had the most money in and maybe if I had known that earlier I would have done things differently but lucky for me I've always approached investing I guess conservatively is kind of it depends on your risk tolerance but I would say for me pretty conservatively and so I haven't made any massive mistakes and the, the sort of individual companies I've invested in or different things I've done that might seem riskier to others have always seem to work out so far so I guess I'm quite lucky in that sense. That's amazing and you know when when it comes to crypto like maybe you were in the right to not have invested because I mean right now when we're recording it's it's not looking pretty so you know you might have been on the other end of the table saying one of my regrets was investing in Dogecoin and you know Elon Musk has tweeted and now I'm down 30% because that's where some people are right now. Yeah, I think the amazing thing with investing in general and even crypto now we're seeing it is just how it's built completely on the perceived value of the masses. Like, you know, Elon Musk can put out one tweet and that'll change things dramatically, which to me is just insane. Do you think, because I feel like there's a lot of, I feel like there's a lot of divide. Do you feel like what he's doing with, you know, he makes a tweet, a stock goes up, he makes a tweet, it drops 30% in a day. Do you think there's a problem with that? Yeah, I think it's an interesting one because he's obviously aware that he has the power to do that. Like, you can't tell me he's unaware. I think there is like a bit of ethical concern around it because it's so easy for him and for, you know, other powerful people to change things like that. 
for business owners, every transaction is more than just a swipe of the card. It's the culmination of your hard work, dedication, and commitment to your customers. That's why I'm excited to share with you a game-changing solution that's simplifying the way businesses like yours accept payments. Introducing Tap to Pay on iPhone, powered by Stripe. Contactless payments has never been easier. You can seamlessly accept contactless payments directly from your iPhone and the best part, there's no additional hardware required. Think about it, from local pop-ups to global retailers, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe cater to businesses of all sizes, empowering them to accept payments right from their iPhones. It's a game changer for businesses looking to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup that takes minutes, not days. So how can tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe benefit your business? It's simple, increased revenue, expanded reach and enhanced customer experience. It's a win, win, win. To learn more about how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can transform your business, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone today. So, yeah, I think there probably does need to be a bit of responsibility taken or something happening in that space at least. But also, is that just the nature of, of these new assets like crypto or NFTs that they can be easily influenced like that? And it's all part of the decentralized culture and the autonomy that comes with that. I'm not even sure. What do you guys think? Gosh, what a loaded question. I'd agree. I think the whole, I guess, pull to crypto is that it is decentralized. And with that, like the offset is that people's perceived value of said crypto can change like the next day, which is like, I'm still not in crypto yet. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> soon. I'm planning on it soon. I need to re-budget with my new pay. But like with stocks, I feel like the same thing happens. It's It just takes longer to happen. Like when companies have bad marketing things that go on and like, you know, the CEO is up to no good. I feel like it doesn't affect the stock as dramatically as crypto does, but I feel like it still happens just over longer periods of time, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. I think for myself as someone who has heavily invested in cryptocurrency, I completely feel the same way as you, Sarah. Like, he knows what he's doing. The man is no, you know, he's not like, oh, what? That was me? No. Like, that drop was not because of my tweet. And I know that Elon Musk also has a very strong dislike for the SEC, which is the basically like the government agency that looks after the stock market and make sure people aren't doing insider trading and not you know doing illegal stuff in that regard so it's almost like he's pulling their leg and just trying to see with how much he can get away because to this point no one's actually stopped him and so when you talk about you know what you've learned in investing and your biggest mistakes have you had any investments that you'd consider your best investment or your best performing investment Totally, the award award has to go to Tesla. I mean, that's definitely been my highest performing stock at the moment. It's up seventy eight point three seven percent, I think, and that's actually not doing too well for for where it has been. My original investment into Tesla was three hundred and thirty dollars USD, and it reached its highest value being at I think eight hundred dollars USD which was like 156% return or something. It's quite hard to see those sort of returns like that in the stock market for just the average investor kind of thing. Like those are sort of, that's what you're hearing about with crypto and that kind of thing, but not often in the 
share market. So, um, yeah, that's definitely been the best performing, although at the moment it, it's not as good as it was. That's amazing. I would say mine is the exact same. Tesla has just blown everything out of the water. Is it the same with you, Sonia? Absolutely. Thanks, Elon. Oh, love your work. <laughs> Here we are being like, mm, what is Elon Musk up to? But also thank yeah. you for like. Yeah. I guess moving on to what you actually want to gain from your investments, what would you say your, I guess, most prominent long-term goal is with your investments? Yeah, I think overall for me it's just to build passive income. But it is interesting because I'm I'm a little bit in limbo at the moment with what my, like the goal is to always build a passive income. But uh, for example, I'm not saving actively for a house. So I'm in KiwiSaver, I'm in the share market, I'm throwing a lot of money to it. I guess in a, it will start to be more aggressive than I have been previously. And I still haven't decided if the KiwiSaver is something I'm going to keep in for retirement or I will use towards my first time and vice versa for my portfolio and just my independent portfolio in the share market. So that's something I need to work out. But overall, my goal for investing and my purpose to investing is to build a passive income. I like that your plan can change so you can kind of realign your investments to cater to that because I'm in the position at the moment where I want to get into buying a house or in the real estate market. So I've had to adjust accordingly with like my investments. It's quite interesting. Yeah. Would you say that where you're heading is something that, you know, Sarah five years ago would have been like, yeah, I'm going to start, you know, investing in the stock market and build a long-term portfolio. Like, was that always the goal for you? Or do you feel like over the recent years that's come about? Yeah, I think I was just uneducated a while ago. I wouldn't have actually known the benefit in investing. I think it just seemed like something, probably more of a gambling exercise where you, like you go to the casino, you put in money and then you hope to come out with like triple what you put in kind of thing. And then when you actually learn about investing, you realize, oh, it can actually be a lot more than that and you, you can develop this passive income. So I think my reasons and my purpose has has changed, but it's always something that I could see myself doing for sure. That being said, would you ever cash out on your investments? Just me being cheeky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I definitely, I definitely would depending on what it is, you know, I'd be cashing out for. But I mean, the thought of taking it out and I guess kind of ruining the compounding growth that I've created over the years kind of not scares me but isn't something I'd want to do although I do whatever I need to do to align with my goals so whether that is taking it out for a house or not yeah that's something I would definitely think about doing. I love that it was very heartbreaking when I had to realize that I needed to take out some of my investments for my home deposit and the one thing that I like didn't get rid of was my Tesla stock. I was like, I'm not touching that. That is staying. Yeah, yeah, that's so funny. But yeah, so in the future, do you see yourself, you know, going further down the line of just staying in the stock market? You kind of touched on, you know, real estate. Is that something that you see yourself investing in or do you not see that as, you know, something that's part of your future or are you going to go more into crypto? Do you? Want to maybe dive into that a bit more for us? Yeah. Yeah. I have every intention of owning my own home at some point. It's just property in general has never been something that 
excites me, whereas the share market and investing does do that. But recently I've been learning a lot more about property and the benefits of owning an asset like that in comparison to the share market or anything else. And so it's starting to become a lot more appealing. But I think it's a mindset thing as well, because I guess with the share market, you know, it's there's low barriers to entry. Anyone can do it. And so it seems a lot more achievable and attainable in a quicker amount of time. Whereas with a property, you know, that takes a lot of discipline and time and patience to get to the point where you can own your own home. But it's absolutely my intention to do that. I think it's just working my investments in a way that is strategic to ultimately get to that point. And then when it comes to other things like crypto and NFTs, like I said, I'm really into investing in general. So the idea of investing into cryptocurrency and NFTs, which are non-fungible tokens, is really exciting to me and something that I, I think is is quite cool. And I, I probably see that as more of a fun thing than I do a long-term investing strategy, at least at this point. But it's funny because I guess it's all perspective. I mean, when I was investing in Tesla, people were saying, oh, you know, that's risky. That's don't know if you have a long-term approach investing with Tesla, even though I didn't tend to keep it for a long time. And now investing in Tesla seems vanilla compared to investing in Bitcoin. You know? <laughs> oh, it's so funny that you say that because, yeah, like when we, I remember like at the very start of season one, we would say bonds are less risky. Stocks, on the other hand, very volatile, very risky. <laughs> Watch out. And to a degree, there's still such a truth. <laughs> but now, like, you know, you see these 100% gains, 100% losses in like two hours. Like I had my cousin text me the other day and I made a post about how, you know, in crypto, a 12,000% increase is not normal. And he messaged me and he was like, a 12,000% increase is not a lot. And I was like, what do you mean? Like what has changed in the investing world where that's a normal thing to say. I feel like there's a lot more like buzz around it on social media. Like you can't escape. Like when the whole GameStop thing happened in January, no matter what social media platform that you went on is everywhere. I feel like definitely more people are getting into it. Yeah, that is so true. I even I did a, I was doing some question boxes on my Instagram the other night around investing and the amount of people who were replying, oh yeah, I said if you, if a, a someone deposited a thousand dollars into your bank account what would you do and honestly the amount of people who said they'd put it straight into crypto I was so surprised like I knew a lot of people were into it but I didn't think that many people were already doing it and really confident so yeah for sure that's amazing so what we want to do now is just some fast four questions you are our first guest so this isn't something that we have done often but we'll, we'll give it a go all right so Sarah We'll start with question one. Off the bat, favorite investing book? Has to be Rich Dad Poor Dad. Ironically, it's about property, which I was talking, well, not down about, but saying I wasn't going to do for a while. But <laughs> the clarification around what an asset actually is, is really vital. So that's got to be in there. I love it. Best investing advice? Everything I've learned has been from Warren Buffett or a podcast, but I would say like just timing the market, not timing the market for a beginner investor is always key advice. That was a good one. All right, next stock that you are eyeing up. So actually, I'd be really interested in a 
fund recently. Well, I've kind of got two. So one individual stock I, I've been looking into that would be quite interesting is Coinbase, although they've had a bit of a rocky start. And then the other fund would be the S&P Kensho Moonshots Fund, which is on Kernel, which is another investing platform. And they're like an innovation. They invest in innovative companies in the tech sector, which I'm really into. That's amazing. Do you mind breaking down a little bit more, just for our listeners that don't know about the Kernel Fund, just a little bit more about what that means and why it's, you know, exciting for you? Yeah, sure. So, well, Kernel, so they offer just index funds. So funds that follow an index and try to match that benchmark. And this one in particular... It's so they they just released two actually and there there's one it's like an electric vehicle fund and then this one which is more innovative companies in tech and I think well the reason I was really interested in it was because data is one of the greatest assets now over things that we used to consider some of the biggest assets previously or the biggest valuable biggest values sorry the most valuable assets. And so for me, that's why the tech sector has always been really interesting and something I wanted to get into. And so when I saw this fund, it was a good opportunity to diversify my portfolio, diversify my risk across innovative companies in tech without just investing in them individually. But yeah, that's my reason as to why I was interested in this one on Kernel. And I had been able to find something similar or at least one like this um, on other platforms it was really exciting when they came out like there's not a lot like that in the New Zealand market currently so props to them for that and last question kind of love this one outside of finance how do you invest in yourself Sarah I love this question because I'm a massive personal development person and for me I invest through books, which is at the moment I'm reading Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which is a really good book, and podcasts, obviously, this podcast I love, and heaps of other New Zealand podcasts. I actually only listen to New Zealand podcasts now pretty much, but a really good one from the US is The Mindset Mentor, if you don't know, that's, yeah, awesome. And then the third way, which I think is the best way, is talking to other people and leveraging off the experiences of others which obviously is made very easy when you have a podcast and constantly having guests on but even just hearing the stories of other people and asking them for their perspective on things can teach you a lot and so that's a massive way that I gain value and that I invest in myself and my own learning. I love that and I mean so many people are going to hear this episode and feel the same way and and take away a lot from it so we're really really thankful for having you on and for you to take the time out to share exactly what you invest in. And it's it's been really good to sort of peek into your investing portfolio. So thank you. And before we let you go, how can our listeners connect with you? Where can they find you online? Yeah. Well, first I just want to say thank you so much for having me. Like, honestly, I'm honoured to be here. So just thank you. And yeah, hopefully it's, it was interesting for everyone. But you can find me over at The One Up Project on Instagram or The One Up Project on TikTok or The One Up Project on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So The One Up Project's literally everywhere. Well, I'm going to say thank you again. It was our first experience being a guest on someone else's podcast with you. So it feels really nice for you to be the first person as a guest on our podcast. So thank you so much for taking the time out and sharing your journey with us. 
sim you want to wrap things up all right so before we head off as always our disclaimer girls that invest does not provide personalized investing advice for your individual needs we are not financial advisors the advice from girls that invest exists for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision advice from girls that invest is general in nature and does not consider your individual circumstances always do your research and please use your due diligence all right thank you so much again sarah it was really amazing having you on really appreciate it thanks guys it's so appreciated too